Hi everybody, this is Terry Neild again from Lessons from the Living Room and today I am a very lucky man. I have got Kirsty Lewis from the School of Facilitation and she's going to talk about perception and going back into the workplace and we're going to have a debate about that. But first of all, I'm going to hand you over to Kirsty and she is going to tell us all about the School of Facilitation and her lovely self. Uh, hello, thank you very much and hi to everyone who is listening. So I'm Kirsty. I founded School of Facilitation in 2014 and basically as most things are in life, I created SOF because I was missing people to talk to like yourselves maybe. I was missing talking to other facilitators and trainers and I wanted to create a space where we could all connect, learn and share. So over it seems a short period of time, but it is quite long. We've started to create spaces where people come and have great conversations. Facilitators and trainers come and learn how to design and deliver human-centered um, workshops and meetings and um, create those great environments. And we're just building a really awesome community to be in support of one another. I think it's wonderful. I was very lucky for you to invite me along to one of your, uh, is it one or two now I've been to? The one with Neil Baker was awesome, really was. It, it talk about getting the creative juices flowing through his creative writing uh, talk on yeah. Friday. It was absolutely fantastic, I must admit. Well, one of the things we really like to do at SOF is bring like wisdom sharers, knowledge keepers to other trainers and facilitators and allow these those knowledge sharers to like really bring to life what they do brilliantly. So you're talking about Neil Baker, part of the faculty who is all about creative writing. We have the amazing Ema O'Leary, who's um, our graphic facilitator. So she does runs classes on how to do amazing flip charts when we can work in person. Okay. Uh, we have the beautiful Laura Beckingham, who's very much about how can we drop into our being and not just be a checklist of doing and helping us to like break through and find those uh, ways of being when we're training or facilitating. Oh, and then we have people who can help us. How do we sell? How do we influence? How do we create great proposals? All the things that we need to have a really healthy ecosystem around us when we facilitate or train. Yeah. One of the things I did value, I must admit, was being able to talk to other facilitators. You mentioned that earlier, why you said talk with School of Facilitation. But just being able to talk with like-minded people about stuff that you're going through and the way that the creative writing thing came out and what we talked about and why words were important and how we were delivering those words really was a fantastic opportunity, yeah. actually. And I think um, people listening to this, they might not be facilitators and trainers. You might be a leader. You might be a manager. Um, you could be in another aspect of work we all know it is so much easier to have conversations with people who are as you said like-minded and therefore you don't really have to explain i don't know the context of your industry you don't have to explain um what it means when you say oh, i've just had an amazing group of learners people just get it really quickly and so you get you get into different types of conversations quicker i think and you can go deeper quicker as well yeah definitely yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all about perception, which is what got us talking, weren't it? Yes. About how we can understand each other's perception. If we have like-minded people, that's easier. Less energy has to be put out there, but still vital that we talk about things that are important. Yeah, and I'd also, just as you said that, I was thinking, and it's really easy to get stuck, though, in a, what do you call it? 
a bubble because yeah. we might think we're all the same because that's the other thing about perception isn't it mm. you perceive just because i've got title of trainer or facilitator we're the same and i think that's sometimes the the shadow side is like just be aware don't assume that everything the map isn't always the same for everybody absolutely so let's talk about perception then and why you think it's really important that we understand it i put a video out last week um called the eye of perception and it's something that was brought out the conversation with a another facilitator my good friend of mine called colin Livelin, and we found that the more we talked from one viewpoint or and there wasn't actually a, a dialogue going on the the further apart we went and the gap just kept on growing and growing and growing and mm. that's when you start to get really frustrated and actually one of the exercises with neil was talk about an object on your or write about an object that's on your um desk and i picked alexa and i had to talk about it from her point of view and what she was getting and what and, and why i wasn't talking and making a conversation and those kind of things and it really reminded me of the the eye of perception that actually if you treat everybody's an alexa you just bark orders at them you're yeah. not getting a, a tune or they're not getting a true understanding well our conversation came about because for this is going to date where we're at, but it's um, right now it's June 2020 and we're coming fingers crossed towards the end of the COVID pandemic. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I'm really curious about is what is it going to be like for businesses when teams come back in together, whether that's physically or online, but it's a team that's been split by to be furloughed or not to be furloughed. Yeah, And I'm really curious about how are leaders and managers, team leaders, how are they being equipped to have great conversations with these two different audiences? Because I listening to my friends, some of them are furloughed, some of them are not furloughed and each have different perceptions to what has been going on for them. Each has a perception of what's happened for the other audience. And I think it's going to be important for our leaders and managers to have some quite courageous conversations, the brave conversations mm. to enable their teams to come back together again and work effectively and be okay. And if we don't have those conversations, I think it could all go a bit, messy for those teams and those businesses couldn't agree more couldn't agree more so let's talk about the person who's being furloughed yeah is a boss and the people yeah and the people that are not furloughed are employees of the boss and they've mm -hmm. not been able to contact that person for three months because the furlough says you're not allowed to be employed or anything like that do any work towards the business how does that boss get around this? What, what kind of, what's going on in their head to start off with? Uh, I'm not a mind reader, but I think <laughs> it's, it's how, how do you approach coming back? Because I can only make up stories, but potentially that boss is feeling apprehensive. They could be anxious. They could be worried about what they're coming back into. Equally, they could just be gung-ho and totally sort of bullish and just be like, right, we just go back to the way we were. I think that would be quite a naive space to stand in. Personally, and, and I'm not someone who has been furloughed, 
because I work for myself and I can't be furloughed. But the point is, I think, can you go back in with a curiosity for what has happened? Can you go in with inquiry and curiosity and talk to your teams to hear what they've been doing and what has it been like for them at this time? Yeah, that's where Edward Chan comes into this humble inquiry, doesn't he? He talks about that. You know what? I'm, I'm, it's not all about me. Yeah. I know I've got my fears. I've got my concerns about how people are. And I'm the boss. Do I, what do I do? How do I, if I come in all bullish, what's that going to do? If I come in too softly, softly, how's that going to look as a leader? There's lots of things that that person needs to really look at them from their own point of view and what's going on in their own heads to start off with. How do we help them tap into that? What kind yeah. of questions could we ask them? What do you think? What kind of questions? So, are you still thinking about the furloughed leader? Yeah. Um, I was thinking more, I mean, the leader could be furloughed or not. It's more a case of how does that leader work with their team who may have been split Go between on, furlough and not right, furlough. Let's go down that road then. Let's, let's see. And what... I'm... And I think the leader has to acknowledge what's gone on for them is equally as much whether they've been in the business or they've been out of the business. I think okay. being able to name their truth and name what has happened for them is a really useful start point. However uncomfortable it might make that individual, whether that be a manager or a leader, a director feel. Because you're just human at the end of the day. You're not a, a, a checklist. But I'm... I'm curious, like, how are you going to bring your team together, whether it's online or when we can into small groups, even outside and have some of those conversations with your team to help them start shifting or even just being able to name what has it been like for them for the last three months? So would you recommend maybe, uh, right, before we actually start doing work again as a team, let's just sit down. And talk about what's gone on over the last three months. Let's, yeah. Let's create this this bubble around us where everything can go. I'm going to offer myself as as being vulnerable. Oh, Brené Brown stuff. Let's be vulnerable. All right. I've been furloughed. You've not. Tell me what you're thinking. Hit me with. Yeah. What, tell me what, what it's been like for you. Someone I watched a really interesting uh, Facebook live last night and a uh, good friend and colleague was talking about creating brave spaces versus safe spaces well like that and i really liked it and i was like yeah this is what we need at the moment are those brave spaces so those spaces where i can be seen and i can be heard where i can speak up and i feel okay to speak up whatever it is i have to say and to be able to do that the person convening that space the facilitator the manager the leader they need to be brave because they, you do not know what's going to come. So there's an element of doing some work on yourself first to allow you to be brave and be okay with the unknowing. And then there's opening it out to the group and allowing them to be brave and to share what they are feeling, thinking, sensing, noticing. Um, and, and I think it will always be okay the worst is, that's going to happen is probably the story you're telling yourself in your head before you actually open up the space for people to talk. Um, but I think it's not a one-off conversation either, is it, Terry? It's like an ongoing. Yeah. I think it's ongoing. And then that's what a great leader, a manager would be saying to their team as well. This is the start of 
quite a few conversations. Yeah, if I was a facilitator in that, that aspect, I wouldn't necessarily start with their employees. I'd, I'd ask the leader to lead, role play what, they, what they're going through. Yeah. Step forward, step into the space of feeling vulnerable, but brave enough to actually go in there. Exactly. And I, and I think as the leader, it's be really clear on what is the purpose of this session? Like, why are we doing this? Yeah. And what are some of the, like maybe one or two outcomes for this conversation? And they're not your outcomes as the leader, it's the outcomes for the group. So just stand right. in the shoes of your group. Like, what would you, what would you like to be, how would you like your group to be thinking or feeling by the end of that conversation? If you could wave a magic wand or if you could pass through time and you've just left that meeting, what outcomes have there been? So not objectives, what are your outcomes? So what will have happened? Yeah. So just have a think about those because then that will help you set an intent and the direction of the conversation you're going to have. It's got to be personal. It's got to have meaning. Be purposeful. Understand that actually we're not doing this just to welcome everybody back. This is about yeah. how we move forward from this point onwards. Absolutely. Uh, I, yeah, I agree. And I think as the, the manager or the leader, having three or four questions that you would use as inquiry for the group to answer initially for themselves and then to share in share with others whether that be in small groups or in a wider group that would just be a really great start point because it'll just ease it can ease the tension for people but you've got mm. to do it in a way that's authentic and true and it doesn't feel like the checkbox exercise oh i'm gonna put you on the spot now give me the the killer question to start the uh, session on from your well I've got quite a few questions. I've got some different exercises, but I think the way I would, if I was sitting in their shoes right now, I'd be like, here are three questions I'd love, I'd love us all to just write about on our own to begin with. And then we'll share them maybe in pairs. And it really depends on what the psychological safety is like in that team as a whole anyway. But I'd be thinking questions like, how, how is this situationing happening for you and not to you? Nice. What have you learned so far about yourself at this time? Uh, what is the virus uh, that you metaphorically want to spread? I like that one. I like that one because that's, it can come from a positive element that just to finish it off, what, what yeah. kind of positive virus could be out there? And then what are you not going to take forward and leave behind? Nice one. And so a really good friend of mine and I'll name her, Lindsay Jones, she's another awesome coach. She shared those with me and I share them with you guys because I think they're a little bit more crunchier as a question and they make you really pause and think. It's not something you can be quite flippant and go, oh, I'm fine, I'm like this, I'm like that. It's like, okay, go away, take a sheet of paper, now sit quietly for the next 15 minutes and just write out your thoughts. Yeah. And that's what I'd be encouraging managers to do with their teams and then invite people back, get into pairs, just share your noticings at this time. And then once people are comfortable in pairs, maybe they double up in a pair and they share again until you get back to the wider circle and people just get that opportunity to express what's been going on for them. Gives, yeah, so everybody gets a voice. Absolutely, and if you're a Nancy Klein fan of Time to Think, um, 
you're not in the room, you're not in the meeting until your voice has been heard. Well, like that. Very good. I uh, Nancy Klein, but I didn't remember that particular quote. So, yeah, bravo on that one. I don't think that's um, uh, verbatim, but that's one of the sentiments that if you're in um, a meeting, you're in a space together, however many you are, until you have actually physically spoken and a noise has come out of your mouth, even if it's to say good morning to the wider group or named what's going on for you, you're not, you're not in the room at that point because you haven't made that psychological leap. I um, facilitated a workshop yesterday and, and a couple of the questions that came out there, name three words that would describe you right now as a team. Mm -hmm. And name three words that you've not used already that would describe you in three years time. But you could, that, that could change. And, and the, di the yeah. difference that came out of there was that right where we are now was stable, experienced, professional, blah, blah, blah. but the three years time was successful, dynamic, collaborative. And it's an interesting di dynamic about where they were, where they thought they were at the moment and where they wanted to go to in three years time. And I think if you can get the people to the, your team to, to start thinking about that, where are they now after COVID-19? What, how would it describe you? How would you describe yourself right now in three words? And in six months time, 12 months time, how would you want to be described by your peers, your teammates, your yeah. stakeholders, whoever? just to give yourself that opportunity to think right let's push through this yeah let's push through. and i think it's acknowledging what is actually happening and not trying to gloss over it and make it all oh it's going to be fine we're all going to be okay sometimes we have to sort of say no life is rubbish right now for me i've had a really tough time i mean and i and i think a lot of people will know this intuitively just because someone's been furloughed they have not been sitting in the sunshine they have not been drinking beer and partying if you talk to people with children at home they have become a teacher it support the pe teacher the dinner lady the dinner man you know they have taken on a whole new role so i just please for those of you who weren't furloughed don't think that your colleagues who were furloughed have just had a happy time sitting in the sunshine with feet in a paddling pool. And, and vice versa, I think the people who've been furloughed, I think you talk to some of them and they are feeling quite anxious about coming back. Mm. They are worried what their peers are thinking because they recognize their peers who have not been furloughed have been working really hard. They, they see that, they hear that. So they're equally concerned. Like, with, how people are perceiving one another and i think that's why i want to encourage like managers and leaders to have instigate these conversations because if you don't it will come back because people will yeah the energy will just come back through because so, people want to know where they are they want to know what their place is in the system they want to know what space they hold now that they're back and they're trying to make meaning of that and you can help them ease into that with some conversations yeah, if they're not, they have to be aware of being locked into their own perception. They'll be open to that curiosity. You know, Absolutely. Realize that actually you're a leader, therefore it's about them. It's not about yes. how you are. Understand where you are, share where you are, but also yeah. be open to listen, to, to inquire, to explore. Yep. And go from there. Absolutely. And, and I think as leaders, all you can do is create the conditions to have those conversations. You do not have to have the answer. You do not need to know exactly how the other person feels. 
you don't need to have a solution for the team right now. They'll probably be able to find the solution themselves. I like that. Don't solutionize. No. Because you can't do anything. You can't do everything for everybody. You can't, if you keep offering solutions, it becomes, you're, you're the crooks. The people come yeah. to you all the time. I need this doing. Enable this team mentality that people can talk to each other. You know, you're opening up, you're offering this, this way of doing things going forward. But yeah, mm-hmm. that, this should be the standard thing all, all the time. Let's learn from this point of view. We've not been yeah, able yeah. to talk. Right, let's open these avenues up. Let's open this communication yeah, yeah. up. Let's, this is how we're going to be from now on. And I think be gentle with your team and be gentle with yourself as well. So some of your listeners will know that as a leader or a manager, they might be quite fast and pacey and they can already see what the potential and the possibility is. There will be others in their team who are not even with you at that point. So part for some of us, it's about dialing back our pace. Uh, for others, it's about opening up the space for the conversations it's it's just giving everybody time to to adjust and to settle back in again and to have those conversations about perception um, and then there's i mean brené brown talks about what is the story i'm telling myself mm. and so another lovely sort of inquiry you could do is what is the story i'm telling myself about my colleagues who were on furlough what is the story i'm telling myself about my colleagues who were not on furlough and you can get people to write down what their stories are because they are just pure stories. And you could put it on post-it notes so people don't actually have to say, those are my words. You, if you're a very close team, you might be able to say this is, you know, verbally speak it, but you might just write it and put it up on walls or in spaces so people just go and read. And then you can then say, so now you've read that, what, what, what are you noticing? What is the story you're telling yourself now? And it just allows people just to get it out of their heads and their systems, what is going on for them. Um, another great question is like, what are the assumptions I'm making about this story? Yeah. Yeah. Assumptions come out of this. Absolutely. Assumptions are created because of the, the need to protect. And it's yeah. okay to make assumptions, but just be wary that you are making an assumption. This is not the fact. And you're putting two and two together. You're trying to create a story to satisfy your mind and its weight and what yeah we're filling in the holes we don't have information and so i'm thinking about your eye of perception is Mm. there is a possibility and i'm not saying this is true for all teams that a lot of teams the perception of where each party is is quite wide at this point in time um and how do you go from that route convert that divergence of thinking and feeling and knowing and help the teams come to a point of uh, convergence of maybe better understanding of one another you don't have to agree with each other by the way no. you don't have to um be emphatic that yeah this is what we're going to do next but i think just at this point in time having those conversations about what's it been like for you is a really good start point all about understanding and we'll be willing to understand yes yeah and just hold that space yeah yeah love it great okay well i think we've done that now so bit key learning points then for us then have a conversation understand yourself here where you are all right look at the assumptions that you're thinking of mm-hmm. um think about what it means to either not be furloughed if you were furloughed or to be furloughed if you weren't 
Does that make sense? So the the, the opposite to where you were. What could that? Yeah. What would happen to you? What was your thought process would have been for you if you'd have been in that situation? A bit of percep- perceptual positioning side of things. Take that role on, in yeah. order to have a better conversation before. What once you do have that conversation? Yeah. I think that might be an idea. Anything else that you can think of? The top tip. Uh, what is the story I'm telling myself just about my situation? Great. And what's the story I'm telling myself about maybe the people in on the other side of the table? Yeah. Give yourself the opportunity to write it down. Once Definitely. It Always get it out of your head. Write it down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and for the, the whoever's going to convene that conversation is, I'd probably encourage you to not dive into the content of the conversation. Just be a facilitator at that point. So just be asking questions and be listening. Um, and to be noticing what's going on in the room and the energy. Be a curious leader. Mm, yes. Find out what's going on. Then you can go forward with whatever yeah. plan that you come through. Brilliant. Thank you, Kirsty. I really love it. So what's next for the old school of facilitation? SOF. Um, we're having, we're going to have a bit of a summer pause. I think as all good schools, we have a summer holiday yeah. and then we'll be back for um, the autumn term, as we say in, in England around September and we are going to be praying that we can do some work in face with the, both our corporate clients and the SOF collected. So there'll be some gatherings. We always have a big Christmas party at Christmas. Lovely. Uh, more community pods on a Friday, more awesome faculty guests. And so if you're a facilitator or a trainer, I just encourage you to come and find us, connect so you can learn and share with us basically. Fantastic. Well, I will be learning and sharing and connecting because it is awesome. And I can't recommend it enough. So thanks very much, Kirsty. This has been awesome. You've been bravo and lots of clapping all around. This has been uh, Terry Neild and the podcast from Lessons from the Living Room, all about perception. Listen again. Cheers and bye-bye.